broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. One thing I've always prided the show in doing is giving interested parties the opportunity to get their message across when necessary. One thing the mainstream media I don't think does well, and mostly it's because of time restraints, and I've been there, done that, is give people the opportunity to fully get their message across. Now, one thing I do is all my interviews go to ear unedited, warts and all. And the reason I do this is it means I can't influence the message being put across with mine or with my agenda if I was to have one it's difficult (laughs) you know there's always that bit you think you'd like to tidy up the stupid thing the host said namely me but I don't I, I let it go to air warts and all you would have seen in the media over recent months the gun safety program changes and how they're under fire most of that fire directed at the New Zealand Mountain Safety Council. Well, this show is about giving them the opportunity to get their side of the story across in, uh, in, in full. That's what I'm really aiming for, to give them the opportunity to tell us what's going on and the reasons behind it in full. I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to try and get across or ask the things that you possibly would like to know. But we're going to work on that. So following from that, this week's interview is Mike Daisley. He's the CEO of the New Zealand Mountain Safety Council. He joins me by phone. How are you, Mike? I'm very good, thanks. I'm enjoying a a bit of fine, fine weather for a change. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Mike, I want to know a little bit about you first. So you're the CEO of the Mountain Safety Council. We've established that. What's your background? Tell us a bit about you. Um, I've had a real big background in the outdoors, um, and that was what the attraction to coming to an organisation like the Mountain Safety Council was. But I've, I've had a history of being involved with uh, not-for-profits and um, non-government organisations. Um, but I've, I have done my, my years in the private sector. Um, but when uh, when, when the, the job it came up at Mountain Safety Council, um, it was something that had 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 my interest right from the start because it was. Uh, the organisation needed to embark on a big change, um, and, and that's something I'm particularly engendered on. And um, sitting on my desk, I have a photo of my granddad uh, with three or four of his, his colleagues, who his mates at the time, who had uh, lumped, carried up the Cowrie uh, foundations up um, up to Hast and um, and a couple of and Fox and friends, Joseph. So they'd them and a team of about four or five other guys spent a lot of time out there, and, and that's something that's been dear to my heart. Yeah, it's great to have those memories or that association sitting around you too. It always inspires me as well. You know, you're in a room um, with that kind of stuff in front of you. Now, Mike, the Mountain Safety Council is going through a review of the license process. We, we all know this, but why is it even happening? Um, it's a good question, Stephen. It's because uh, I think there's probably a, a small small number of people that are sort of left wondering as well, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. <laughs> Um, but a, a big driver for us has been um, around consistency of, of the licensing system and our component of the licensing system, which
which is, is, is a small but very important part of it, which is that safety test. So the police uh, is a police licensing system, um, as, as all your audience will be well aware, because they've all had one um, and all have one um, and gone through the process at some point. So ours is a bit of the start where you do a, a firearm safety test and lecture. Um, and what we've what we've found as we've gone through our reviews of, of what the Mount Safety Council was doing over the last couple of years uh, was was a, a large scale inconsistency up and down the country from Kaitai to Bluff and the licensing system really does need to be you know it's it's an important factor so it's a very um, important factor to get right uh, similar to the driver's license system there's got to be a really robust system to make sure that people that uh, uh, able to have a firearms and, and go out into the woods and, and, and use it um, or, or down at the range um, have, have gone through a really robust system, the best system that can be there. I suppose one of the questions that a lot of people have been asking, and I got this feedback an awful lot through you know Facebook and social media mainly, is who's been consulted? I haven't been asked. You're talking about lots of figures within the hunting and firearms industry or um Stakeholders is probably a better word. Who 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 has been consulted, Mike? Um, to this point, we're at the the next part of the journey is it's about to start. So, but the, I think it's important to state at this point it's been our internal system, if you like. So, right. um, and that's not just the people in Wellington sitting in office. Um, we've just travelled around the country, well, a fair reasonable amount of time ago. Um, we did twenty two workshops with with our volunteer network. So. We went out, we thought it was a very important step to go and ask our dedicated volunteers first uh, what the system could need to look like um, before we went out uh, with some models to go and talk to the, the user groups and, and uh, you know, say, national um, hunting associations, etc., firearms user groups. Um, we thought it was absolutely important we go to our network, our internal network, if you like, mm. and ask them what they thought. So that's been the first point. Um, and now we're, we're embarking on the next stage in that journey is to, to take these refined models um, after we've tested those with our volunteer instructors mm-hmm. um, and, and see what others think of those. Now, Mike, is this just going to be a case that you're not going to please all of the people all the time? You know, because I know uh, I've kind of been on committees and, and been in a similar position to you a number of times, so I can kind of relate that you you can't please everybody, Um is that just kind of what you're going to have to live with? Absolutely. And um, first and foremost, what I've got in the front of my head, um, yeah. the board and our team, is that we've got to make sure this this system uh, works really, really well, not just now, but you know, 20 years down into the future. As we sort of project into the future um, as best as we can, as best as anyone can, uh, we need to make sure that whatever system we have as an organisation to deliver a very important part of that firearms license is going to be still working, still still effective and um, into the future. And that's how we've approached it. So what system do we need to do that job into the future? Um, and if that means challenging the status quo, um, I guess that's part of just good leadership. We've got to, got to challenge and see whether what is currently in place is working. Um, and as you've touched on at the start there, it's it's likely when you start challenging the status quo, <laughs> yep. people being people, um, it doesn't matter what what's, what question you're asking. Um, if you're challenging the status quo, there's, there's going to be some people that um, don't want to change. Mm. Okay, so you, you, let me just paraphrase that. You, you have started that consultation program or, or, or um, 
process with internally at the stage, um, and you're about to take that outward outward process. I suppose you would take that to an outward process. But what have you learned so far? Have you come up with anything after this consultation within your own volunteers? I suppose. Yeah, because that's that's an important thing to keep stressing. So I'll keep, it's, it's not just a, we sat in our office in Wellington and had an internal conversation. This is, we, we, we did the that water first cooler and, was getting hot. Yeah, yeah, we all thought that was a, a brilliant idea, and um, then but that's not the way of we we need to do things. So mm. um, so we, we had a, a great water cooler conversation, if you like, and then took that those basic models out out to the network so we've done quite a bit of background work on that so i'm, I'm not going to just gloss over it with a, a, a water cooler comment yeah. as we we um we, we literally went out um and did some guest based research and some calls and skype calls with um international um firearms license systems and we also looked at other systems that do training and training of people uh, particularly training of even in new zealand so training of people uh, with uh, with chainsaws and other sharp nasty implements in the outdoors um, and, and and how do other organisations deal with, with training of people, mm. um, the systems they have behind it. So we refined those down to the three models and we, that we took to our internal network um, and, and they gave us some really good feedback. And so we've made actually quite a few, uh, I wouldn't just call them glossing over simple changes either. So we, we've, we've increased some um, some um, some reach, I guess, um, some places that we're, um, what we would call them as, as locations for instruction courses or to run these these courses. Uh, we increase those after going uh, through our volunteer network and, and testing out essentially the key question when we're going in the country is one of these models is going to be in place um, because the status quo isn't one of those options. Um, so knowing what you guys know about this community um, and the people that come and typically get a firearms licence, tell us about how these systems will work with those users and, and those that, that community. And you know, a, a big chunk of our network, we're, we're happy to engage in that and give us that uh, that real local insight. Um, and based on that, we've, we've made some modifications. So, um, and, and who knows, there are likely to be some modifications that might come out of um, when we go and work with, with firearms user groups. Um, and so we're not dogmatic here, but we, we are um, sticking to the, I guess, the starting point, which is making sure that the, the system that replaces the current uh, will be good for New Zealand um, now and into the future. Mm. Can I ask, though, you've you've done this, have you made any recommendations at all yet? Is it, is it sitting there in limbo, or is there, is there solid stuff we can talk about now? Um, there is some solid stuff we can talk about now. It's um, we've, As I said, but anything we say now, um, even if we'd, if we'd had the conversation a month ago, we would have been talking... You know, subtle, but some of them not so subtle differences. So, as yeah. long as people are, are comfortable and recognising as as we go and meet with user groups, firearms user groups, um, yeah, there there are things that are likely to change from there. Yeah, so let's make that really clear. What we're talking about now is kind of where things are at now. Where this is this is a fluid thing, and we're going to touch base again soon, hopefully, Mike, when things are a little bit more cemented. But for now, um, what recommendations have you got? Um, well, the, the key thing for us is is consistency, mm. um, and, and by that, you know, we are we are acknowledging that the current system is not consistent, or it is inconsistent from Kaitai to Bluff. And if if we want to have a system that is is can ensure that New Zealand has that license and has, has gifted that license to hunt and use firearms in New Zealand, we think that's a good thing. Um, so we need to make sure that, that any safety information and safety training that's associated with that is the best in class so that 
that social license to hunt or use firearms is, is never taken away because we think it's an important part of, of Kiwi culture. So when we looked at the system, we actually discovered that it was inconsistent from Kaitaida Bluff as to the content and how that course was being delivered. That absolutely didn't sound like a, a particularly good way to start and maintain and support that social license to hunt. Um, so I guess the, the key thing I'm touching on here is that we need to ensure that the, the people that are delivering um, the course up and down the country are delivering a, a consistent product, for want of a better word. Yeah, Mike, can um, I just just pause yeah. you there for a second, though? You're not talking about the people themselves being inconsistent, I'm assuming. It's just what they're delivering. Because this isn't an attack um, on those volunteers, is it? I don't no, know. absolutely not. Yeah. It's just, um, I guess it's, it's probably the easiest way to explain it. It's is, is not quite Chinese whispers. It's what's an easier way to explain it, Stephen, is that there's, You've got 400 odd people, um, and we've got about 200 volunteers, instructors that are, are far more regular, um, delivering licensing, uh, delivering the test and, and lecture more more uh, more commonly um, through the year. Um, but you can imagine you get 200 odd people, um, and you're going to get some subtle variation through the not so subtle variation up and down the country. Just people being people. Yeah. Um, some of it's great because there's particular communities that um, that might be into particular types of, of hunting or firearms use so having a having a course which is which is geared towards a particular type of user group is, is, is perhaps a good thing mm. um, but we've got variability up and down the country of where um, yeah so there is a quite a consistent amount of there's a consistent amount of inconsistency up and down the country <laughs> yeah yeah that's and, a very nice way to put it um, so I just you've got these recommendations, and you talked very briefly about models. What are these models? Yeah, so at the moment, there's, there's three models that we took to our volunteer network, and um, so they gave us feedback on those three. And behind those three, um, there was there was at least another five that didn't make the cut. Right. Um, and, and we spent quite a bit of time actually on, on what would it take to get the current system to that point of being consistent. Um, and, and you know, the, the, the hard reality is that that, that wasn't um, a viable option. So but we did genuinely start there. Um, but they all um, talk about a lot less people in the system. Um, and if you can just do a bit of simple arithmetic, is if you've got less people in the system, that's primarily how you can start to um, start to guarantee uh, more consistency. Because if there's less people, um, there's less personal interpretation. But when you're talking about cutting numbers of volunteers, how do you do that without disenfranchising people? Yeah, because it's a good question. Because what we're actually not, we didn't start out this journey to to get rid of volunteers. And, good point. Um, and there's been, there needs to be a strong recognition that the, the volunteer, because the system's been volunteer based, um, has led to the ability to actually have a system that's worked for so long because it would be very expensive to have the number of people that are delivering this that are paid around the country. So um, this is actually not about whether you're volunteer or paid because right. you know, two of the models talk about just paid people. Um, this is about consistency. And if you step back from that and say, what's the, what's the most effective way to get consistency is to reduce the number of people delivering. And the only way to, to get, I mean, we could ask a volunteer to, to do this every day um, but I think it would be a pretty short list of people standing uh, willing to sign up for that. So that's where that's when and only why um, pay, paid employees or paid staff need to hit a, need to get behind a system is 
reduce the numbers and you drive up consistency. Mm. So where to from here then? You, you've kind of got to this point. I just want to really nut out where you're going to go with this now. Um, more for, I mean, for my own interest, but also for our listeners' interest. What's the process and and how long is it going to take? Yeah, that, that last question is actually the the, uh, the crystal ball. So um, <laughs> what, what, what we're not trying to do here is, is to rush this through, um, balanced against, you know, we want to get it right. But we need to balance it against, um, you can imagine there's been a, a fair bit of um, nervousness amongst the current system. So the people, our volunteers that have been dedicated yep. to doing this for many years are sort of wondering the same thing, Stephen. So as to uh, what next, how long are we going to, how before we know what the new system is going to look like and, and whether we're going to be part of it, which is a, which is a valid question. Um, and as long as that, that nervousness is around, um, the longer that is around, sorry, um, the, the more potential there is actually for pe- places and communities around New Zealand actually to find it a challenge to get licensed. So long-winded way of saying we're trying to ensure that we can keep some momentum behind this, but we don't have a, a absolute deadline to say, We've got to have it done by now, and um, we'll rush through to that end point. Um, partly, the police are doing uh, their wider review of the firearms licensing system, mm. um, and this is this is a critical part of it um, in terms of the safety test um, and lecture. But it's only a small part of it, so that they're looking at, at, at much wider changes, and or they're going to a much wider review. Sorry, but um, we're not particularly privy to where that's going and, and what they're likely to do. But we do know that that. The world around us is changing in terms of that license system, um, and that's a key driver for us as well. Is that whatever delivery system we have for the safety test needs to be able to deliver with the police's new system? You've actually you, you've brought on my next question really well. Is I know that I'm I'm very sure that the police are doing their thing, and I'm not asking you to what what they're doing. But what consultation realistically have you had with the police? Um, we've been working, I'd say, you know, we, we're a good partner with the police. They're, they're on our council, um, but we, we don't see you behind the scenes in terms of what they're doing with their wider licence review. Um, but we we have kept them up to date of where we're going because um, they've not been directing any of this, by the way. So they, they support 100% the need to review our system. Um, but they're certainly not been giving us any directives to say this is what it needs to look like at the end of it, uh, because they're at a point where they're, they're still looking at what their licence system looks like. Um, so they're, they're far from knowing exactly what um, the safety lecture component of that needs to look like. Why we've kept very close to the police is, that is one thing we needed to know very early on was, and they've, they've come out with a 100% resounding support, is it? They want to ensure that whatever the licence system looks like into the future, um, there'll be someone physically face-to-face with someone that wants a firearm. So someone that knows how to use and safely use a firearm is going to be in front of uh, someone that wants a firearms licence. And that's, a, that's, I guess, a non-negotiable from both sides of this equation. The police want it, um, and we certainly think that's a critical compa- component of a, getting a licence. Mm. Now... Uh, You've you've obviously got some challenges with the existing system or the current system. Is it has it become even more challenging now? You kind of touched on this earlier. Now that everything's, for want of a better phrase, up in the air, or is it not up in the air? Is that just how it seems from the outside? Yeah, a good question. So it's 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 not up in the air around the whole country. So there's um, some some 
uh, some parts of the country where I guess some of our volunteer network has become um, quite uh, they've been not enjoying the, the change uh, more than others um, and, and they've, they've, they've made some uh, arrangements themselves in terms of working directly with police um, the vast majority of the country is still still working with us um, and still making uh, making sure and this is consistent with both it uh, doesn't really matter whether they're volunteering for us or directly with the police as a temporary measure um, everyone involved volunteers ourselves the police all want to ensure that people in, in Kiwis communities can still get their firearms license so mm. a long window way even of saying getting into is that we've got uh, no crystal ball on this but our volunteer network have, have generally around the country said look we'll, we'll stick with this because we think it's important until the new system's in place mm. when when is it and so when is it that someone like myself gets the opportunity to have our say is there going to be an online consultation board a submission process is there going to be a chance for joe public firearms license holder or dare I say it, potential firearms holders as well to have their say and what they'd like to see? Um, it's, a, it's a valid question, Stephen, but it's, it's not something we've, we've looked at. Right. Um, so I guess the next step is, is around um, working with firearms user groups. So mm. I guess they're, they're the rally points or the, the places where firearms users uh, tend to, to gravitate around. And, and some of these reference points we're going to go and speak to is not just formal um, you know, formal formal groups. Mm. So we are trying to generally tease out um, you know, from re- representatives from the hunting community and firearms users much more broader than just hunting um, as to what they believe needs to happen with a system. And this is the important part is a lot of the feedback we're getting at the moment is from some user groups is, is more about the curriculum, what's actually yep. taught, what's actually spoken to, rather than the system. The system to a lot of users is... Uh, actually, that's fine. The, these are some problems with with what's actually taught, um, and that that will come down the line, and that's that's more closely tied to the, the police's review. Mm. Now, I'm I'm just going to put my two cents in here, and um, you can you can <laughs> you can ignore me if you like. A lot of people I've been talking to wanted to see something more along the lines of how you have a first aid course. It's NZQA maybe, um, but it regularly comes up for a some sort of a review, you know, you, you have your first aid kind of sits there forever, but it expires, it's no longer valid next time you go in. Um, you know, does, does something like that model sound uh, like it could work? Um, it, and I might have put you on no, the spot. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing. We actually have looked at a whole range of, of as I touched on quite early in, the, in that conversation, mm. was um, all the other organisations around New Zealand or, or other places of the world that have, have training, and some of those organisations uh, result in a formal qualification. So we were looking at organisations that, that do qualifications at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess to, to flip it around on the, uh, the flip side of that coin is, you know, last year there was about 11,000 people that got a firearms licence. Yeah. Um, and to, to turn, you know, turn a, a firearms licence into a formal qualification um, is, is quite an, a, a particularly, you know, it's a time-consuming process for yeah. the person that wants the license, and if you've sort of translated that into a driver's license form, it's a, it wouldn't doesn't make sense from a from the New Zealand perspective to try and turn a driver's license into a qualification. So um, I, I don't think anyone at this point is looking at turning the firearms license into right. a, into a formal qualification. The people that are delivering the courses 
that's that's a different uh, different conversation, but certainly the participant no. Good answer, Mike. Now I understand you've done a great deal of work on an insights research type piece. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it is? Yes, the insights mean a lot to us, but um, to the, you know, everyone else in the, in the wider community, it, it, it might not. So, what we've, um, as an organisation, is, is we, we've moved away from uh, direct training, uh, yeah. with the exception of the firearms license uh, process. Um, you because know, roughly there's a one, you know, one point one, one point two million people that regularly participate in the outdoors across tramping, uh, hunting, mountaineering, uh, trail running, mountain biking. Um, so that that whole gamut, and we could never train 1.2 million people. So, um, let alone 1.2 million people wanting to get trained. So we we shifted more into an advocacy model, um, and and really driving home the, the need and awareness that you need to pay attention to some safety things. Um, we do behind that have a bunch of resources, and this is where your question comes back: is that insights are going to drive this from from two perspectives? Is that you know we we as New Zealand didn't know. Um, what I guess the state of the nation looked like, what's actually going wrong. We knew as a country how many people were dying um, and across those those activities. But an organisation's knew um, where search and rescues were happening and um, ACC um, not only pay pay money out when you've had an injury, but they, they keep really good records. So we've, we've pulled all that together. Yeah. We've gone through a, a long process with those organisations that sit across it and said, right, well, now we've, for the first time, got a really New Zealand-wide picture of actually what's going wrong. And um, you zoom into the, the hunting space particularly, you know, quite quickly we can we can see that you know, over five over fifty percent of the of fatalities in, in fire and hunting space, sorry, have nothing to do with firearms. Um, and, and actually the biggest causal factor is, is falling. So hunters uh, are no better or worse than, than extreme trampers or, you know, back backcountry trampers. So and, and that's some of the early stuff that the the insights work is is telling us. So uh, we could we could go on for another another half hour, Stephen, around this. The insights I get quite excited about. But um, <laughs> the, the next stage there is to uh, is to to embark on what we're calling a deep dive into hunting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and careful there, it's not just around the firearms element of hunting. It's just we're looking at hunting in its entirety, and and what's going wrong there. And and then we get to the, the exciting bit, which is now that we know what's going on, we'll go and work with partners that, that understand hunting communities. Uh, we can then work together to, to do something about it and actually start to, to reduce some of those things. Can I ask, when I've done any research papers or, or grad papers or anything I've done, I often will start also with what is going right so, Mike, I'll look at something and go, wow, hunters are actually, as a group, mostly, and we know all generalizations are false, <laughs> but at large, hunters as a group do this very, very well. So by looking at what they do wrong, don't we have to be very careful we don't hinder on the stuff they're doing extremely right? Uh, I hope that came across as clear as it did in my head, but is, are we, is that something you have to look at? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm pleased you actually brought it up, Stephen, because it's, it's something that um, we get uh, particularly excited about is that you know, a percentage and a very high percentage as you've touched on of, of hunting, uh, we'll just keep the conversation focused on hunting in the moment, mm. it results in, in, a, in a fantastic time out. You've, you've brought home some meat and you've had an, a great time with your mates. And we need to uncover as much of that, you know, what activity and what, what behaviours of hunters leads to really good results. So, you know, is there any common trends that, that hunters in this conversation are doing 
um, and their behaviours that, that that we can actually help uh, use to turn around and, and 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 suppress some of the things that are going wrong. So absolutely right. We're not we're not concentrating all our efforts around understanding mm. what led to things going wrong. Is we want to grow. I guess the the best way to actually reduce to to suppress problems is is generally to try and grow the the awareness of good behaviour. It's a great answer. Well done. Look, Mike, finally, is there any last points you'd like to make? Is there, is there that final message that you'd like to, to give hunters, uh, whether that's a message of assurance or um, or just a, a final note that we can have out of you? Because it's been a great conversation. Oh, thanks, Dean. It's, it's, I think it's most important for us to stress is that you know, we're, we're leading this out uh, for on behalf of New Zealand and, and, and the firearms users of New Zealand too, because we believe that like like the majority of Kiwis is to, to have a firearms license is a, is a huge responsibility and we all want to be able to, to stand and, and face a, a New Zealand community that's given a license sorry sorry to jumble this up uh, but the modern society has given that license for New Zealand to, to hunt and, and use firearms and we all as a sector absolutely want to be able to ensure that whatever systems we have to give a license are the best they can be and you know, the uncomfortable truth around this is when we looked at it and we did that, that initial uh, scan and review of what that system looked like, the uncomfortable truth, it, it, it wasn't something that we as an organisation could stand behind as being mm. the best system for New Zealand. So it's not that it wasn't broken. Um, a couple of friends that still use you know, old Nokia 6310s and uh, they still work, but it's, it's not necessary and it absolutely won't keep working to the future. So they're the two things we, we joined together with with what we knew about the current system. It's heavier reliance on a, on a really dedicated, highly skilled type of volunteer that we knew that was in decline. Um, knowing all these things, we knew we had to make some change. Um, and we, importantly, have made these changes before the system has collapsed and before the system um, is, is, is really broken. So, And that's probably where, the if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thinking is coming from is that well i think that's an important point we've, we've actually moved to secure a stable future before it's actually really broken um, while that might be hard for people to get their head around sometimes it's i think it's it's the right to time to do it mm. Yeah, well, Mike, thank you very much for all of your time today. I know that you're a very busy man, and I would like to touch base with you again in the future uh, when things are a little bit more solid or when these changes, I suppose, I did that in kind of ear brackets there, when these changes have been made? Yeah, no, we'd be happy to do that. And it's um, and thanks for having us uh, having us along. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Mike. Thanks, Stephen. I hope you found that interview as interesting as I did. Remember, you can win that great 12-month subscription with NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. All you've got to do is be active, really. Kind of do your thing, and we keep an eye on it. And be active with our sponsors as well, the likes of UFO, Lower, um, all these guys. We want you to be active with NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine because we're keeping an eye on them as well. Be careful out there, guys. Stay safe and good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.